This is a HeadGum Podcast. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. Ba, 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 ba. This is why you're single. Ba, 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 ba. Welcome to the This Is Why You're Single podcast. I'm Laura Lane. And I'm Angela Sparrow. We are the co-writers of the book, This Is Why You're Single. Every week we highlight a different dating topic. This week's episode is When the Spark is Gone. Also in the lineup, we're talking about what's new in dating news. A study finds that men are more likely to self-promote than women. And tips for meeting your SIG other's parents. Then we're diving into the mailbox to answer your listener questions, including one listener whose BF told her he no longer feels a spark but didn't break up with her. And another listener who is wondering why she doesn't feel butterflies for a new guy. But first, Angela, just you and I this week. What's going on in your week? Hello. Um, so <laughs> I have a, a funny story, you know, life of a podcaster. Uh, it relates to the the stuff we get sent. We get sent a lot of sex toys. We get sent a lot of lube. Um, so I recently had... Hey, why isn't anybody sending me purses? Right? I mean, people who date use purses too. <laughs> but I mean, the, the other stuff is useful. But yeah, I would like more. Um, so I recently had a bit of a health issue. Um, you know, I have a lot of gastro problems. I wound up in the ER. Oh my God. I had no idea. And I'm supposed to be one of your best friends. I'm a bridesmaid in your wedding. I didn't even know you were in the ER. It wasn't a big deal or it wound up not being a big deal because the situation resolved itself. It was, I was hardly there. I was there really quickly. They were like, you should just go home. But basically, so what I was there for required, they were like, you could either wait two hours or you could go home. And like deal with it yourself. It requires a bit of a self-examination. Let's just put it that way. And so he was like, do you have any lube? And so Ian was with me. And Ian Did you have to I, put lube up your butt? I had to put my finger up my butt. <laughs> Honestly, it was the most traumatic day of my life. I, uh, I was like, <laughs> Ian, go out. Go outside. Leave me alone. But he came to the ER with me. Um, and so Did the they da- give you gloves? I bought my own. I had to buy my own gloves. But, <laughs> oh my uh, god! What cheap ER wouldn't just give you some of their medical gloves? I know, right? But so <laughs> the doctor looks at me and Ian, and he's like, "Do you have any any lube to use?" Or he's like, you're like, he was like, "What kind of lube do you have?" And Ian and I look at each other, and me, first and you of list all, the ten different ones you have to set the scene. A uh, uh, Brooklyn ER is not the happiest place in the world. I mean, like no ERs are, but it was just a very sad vibe. And it's like this exhausted doctor at the end of the day. And he's like, what, uh, do you have lube? And, and Ian and I are like, look at each other. And I'm like, well, I host a podcast about dating. So I actually have a lot of lube. Um, and I'm like running down the lubes and he's like, I just meant like, is it silicone based or water based? (laughs) Well, now, you know, I have a podcast, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I, I put, our lube to good use. I can't believe you didn't send me an ER selfie. When I went to the ER with my appendicitis, I texted you so many ER selfies. You're my only friend I was texting ER selfies. I should I mean, I really should just be saying I'm glad you're okay instead of making it about me. But I should have sent you a selfie when I was sticking my finger up my butt. Okay. (laughs) It was a traumatic day. (laughs) Touche. I wasn't in a selfie mood. (laughs) Touche. Well, I'm glad you're okay. And you did the self-examination to like, feel for whatever you had to feel for yeah and, and it wasn't there and you were okay uh but yeah everything was fine good, in the good. end in the end like oh my like God. my butt i get the pun. um yeah everything was fine but i it was very stupid of me to think that the doctor gave two shits no pun intended uh about why i had lube and where it came from <laughs> not a fun doctor <laughs> no no fun at all um but i'm fine now guys Thank no God. worries no worries uh I probably uh, am not equipped. I, I learned about myself that I could probably never have anal sex, though I will say that, <laughs> because I was like, that doesn't feel good at all. Uh, but different strokes, different <laughs> folks, if you're into it, fine. But I was like, nope, I, I learned something about myself today. With um, your own finger. Yes, exactly. So I can't imagine what someone else in control. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. And now not only the doctor knows a lot, a lot about me, but you guys as well. I'm dying. Um, how was your week? My week was good. This is a very different story. Not <laughs> no way. N- nearly as interesting. It's not similar? No. I don't know how to compete with that. But <laughs> I recently got a text save the date 
to a friend's wedding. Great. Which is great. And I don't think they listen to the podcast. And I hope (laughs) they don't. Because I really love this person. I'm... I hope I can go to the wedding. It's like a destination wedding. That sounds very fun. But I was just shocked to get an invite. Did not think that I would ever make the cut. Don't you love when that happens? I can count on my hands how many times we've hung out. Were they invited to your wedding? No, but we didn't. You know, my wedding was in 2015. So a lot of people I did invite, I probably wouldn't have invited right. now. And like a whole everything would have changed my my bridesmaid list would have changed. You don't worry. You still would have been on it. I was going to say. Of course. But uh, I I was just totally shocked. Totally shocked. And we have, you know, I, I'm going to probably know like two other people there. But, and I also was invited to like the bridal shower. Oh, wow. Which, which, is, which is so nice. I don't know. It just, I've just been thinking about this a lot. And I was like, maybe she doesn't like have as big of a girlfriend network in New York as I uh-huh. do. So even though we don't hang out a lot, maybe I'm still an important part of her life, which this all, this all is making me feel really good. It's just a weird feeling when you get invited or you find out that somebody sees you closer than like, right. Than you, than you thought you were. Good thing it's, that you already had your wedding. So you don't have to worry about the tip for tat issue of no. like oh no now i have to well and the weird thing is person. if i would have invited her what if i'd invite like other people that are at a right. similar level of like acquaintancy friends yes. you know and like we recently did like an arts and crafts day together which was nice and i'm thinking like oh if i hadn't have like done that arts and crafts things with her i we probably would have been invited to that like one hangout secure my invite like i've been like overthinking this a lot i will say as somebody planning a wedding it was basically like who have i hung out with recently all the, all the hangouts that happened between like my engagements and sending my save the dates really counted because there were people that I was on the fence about that were like B-list people. And I was like, okay, if I see them again within the next few months, they're invited. And if I don't, they're not. That's probably what happened. Like over the, over like the spring or not spring, summer, fall, fall, over the fall, we did like one arts and crafts thing together. And I'm like, that must, and I hadn't seen her in like six to eight months, like a really long time. We had brunch and we had fun. And then and then I got this like save the day thing. But we like we don't text, we don't talk on the phone. Um but also, you know, for all I know, she doesn't do that with any other girlfriends because now she's got this fiance. Maybe this fiance is like her total world and she just like doesn't hang out with girlfriends very much. So the fact that I that I saw her is maybe right. like as much as she sees any girlfriends right now. So I made the cut. It this is this is all like a great problem. It's a much better feeling then imagine if I had felt like close to somebody and then like didn't get an invite to their wedding. Right. Like that would have made me feel so awful. So this is a nice feeling. I'm just, I don't surprised. know. I'm just so surprised and have been overthinking my inclusion so much. So I wanted to get the opinion of somebody throwing a wedding. And so that is an interesting thing about how you were like, if I've seen them between these dates, they're going to be invited. Right. If I was on the fence about them and then planning my shower, I actually, I overthought about like, there were certain people that I really like and that who I wanted to invite, but I didn't want them to have this like thought process that you're having of like, what well, does she not have a lot of friends? Like, why is she inviting me? So for, for my wedding, I would say like, I sort of over invited. I was like, I would rather people feel included than not. But then for my shower, I was like, I'm going to keep it very like tight knit. See, for my shower, because I had it in Because California, weddings are more fun, you know? Like shower is more of an obligation a little bit for pe- some people. That's true. I guess, yeah, with... I guess I always want people to feel like they have the option and they're included at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. for my shower, what I did was I, I had it in California. So I pretty much just invited, like, anyone that was invited to my wedding that lived in California was invited to my shower. And, like, whatever. If they didn't want to come and felt obligated to come, like that's on them. They could have made an excuse of not to come, but I didn't want them to feel like, Lord, didn't invite me to her shower. It's all over Instagram. And, and I invited, I think all my bridesmaids, even though they were like in New York, I wrote, you do not have to come. This is not remotely something you should come to, (laughs) but I just want you to know it's happening. (laughs) And I kind of do that with Rilo's first birthday party. I invited a lot of my best friends in California and I very much was like, Obviously, you're not flying out for my son's right. first birthday. But if but you happen to be here. If you happen to be here, you're invited. I more want you to feel included to know that like this is happening and you know, there's it's no gifts. This isn't like a gift tr- receiving <laughs> situation. Right. 
Um, well, that's also the thing with the showers. I was like, if it's a person I don't see a lot, I don't want them to think I invited them just because I was like, I want you to buy something off my registry, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't want them to think they're being invited for the presents. Right. It would for, be more for their presents. There were, there were a couple people in my past that were friends from like high school and then randomly, even after not seeing them for a long time, I got invited to their wedding and I was just so weirded out that I was like, oh, sorry, I can't come to your destination wedding <laughs> person I haven't seen in gazillion years. Right. Um, but but I also didn't send a gift and I'm like very generous gift giver. I love giving gifts. It's one of my love languages. <laughs> but in that situation, I did not feel obligated. Like if you feel so weirded out that someone invited you and you, and you don't go, yeah. I don't think you need to send a gift. Like, no, unless you're a part of the bridal party. You know, if I'm part right. of a bridal party and I can't make one of the one of the activities, then I'm gonna try to do something. Right. You know? Yeah. So I don't know. This is this I don't really know what I'm trying to get out of this conversation other than talking it through with someone going through <laughs> what, being what? on the other side of things. Wedding etiquette is tough whether you are the person planning or the guest, I guess. Yeah. If this person, by the way, is randomly listening, I just want them to know that I love them as a person. I'm really grateful <laughs> I was included. I just was uh, surprised. Surpri- happily surprised. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick sponsor break and then we're going to jump into what's in the news. We would like to thank our sponsor, HoneyBook. You've done it. Your creative passion is now your full-time job. Maybe you wish someone would have told you how much time drafting proposals, creating contracts, and chasing down payments would take. The good news is that HoneyBook can help with all those tedious administrative tasks so you can get back to doing what you love. Angela, honestly, all of that stuff they just talked about, or I guess I just talked about (laughs) in the third person and first person, is why I have not, is why I've not started you know, a business with lots of employees. I have, we have our, this is why you're single business, but it's just me and you. Right. So, you know, I just have to like Venmo you half the money or whatever. And like, it keeps it really easy, but I can't even imagine if I had to deal with like proposals and chasing down payments and all that BS. This is why we have HeadGum, our podcast network. They chase down all the payments from our podcast sponsors. I don't want to do any of that stuff. I don't want to do any of the hard stuff. So I, I love a thing like HoneyBook. It like helps entrepreneurs actually do the fun creative stuff that they're inspired to do and somebody else can deal with all of the bullshit right yeah if you're a creative person your instinct is probably to want to outsource those businessy things to other people but when you're first starting out you maybe don't have the the payroll to pay people quite yet so HoneyBook makes it easy for you to just do it all yourself. HoneyBook is an online business management tool that organizes your client communications, bookings, contracts, and invoices all in one place. It's perfect for freelancers, entrepreneurs, or small business owners that want to consolidate services they already use like QuickBooks, Google Suite, Excel, and MailChimp. With HoneyBook, you can automate your busy work. They have easy-to-use templates for emails, proposals, brochures, and invoices. They also have e-signatures and built-in automation to save you time and get you paid faster. It's great. Yeah, it's it just makes your life simple. Yes. Right now, HoneyBook is offering our listeners 50% off when you visit tryhoneybook.com slash single. Payment is flexible, and this promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. That is a huge discount. Go to tryhoneybook.com slash single for 50% off your first year. That's tryhoneybook.com slash single. All right, Angela, what have you been reading about in the news? So I was reading Inside Higher Ed, which uh, is a website that that reports on all these different studies from higher education places. Um, and it was men and men, women and research. Se- oh, this is a bad headline. Men, women and research self promotion. Okay, bad headline. <laughs> bad headline. But it's about men, women, men and women. And, it's about and, that and how they self promote their research findings. Got it. Got uh, it. This got is by it. Colleen Flaherty. I mean, and, I mean, this type of inside hired ed is probably not training their journalists to like exactly. work on catchy buzzfeedy headlines. Exactly. It's for people who are a little more academic and are just, you know, doing research. So yeah. Anyway. A headline like that never would have flown at People Magazine or any of the other magazines I worked for. So, but the reason I chose this and the reason I thought it was interesting was we read a lot of studies um, on this podcast, obviously, and we, sometimes they're from men, sometimes they're from women, but this will make me look at them differently because it apparently based on the gender of the person who 
led the research, they will present their findings a little differently. Um, so basically, they said uh, in this recent study, men frame their research findings more positively than women do. The British Medical Journal published a study where they um, they screened for 25 words that are identified as distinctly positive. Um, from robust to inspiring and found that articles with both female first and last authors were less likely to use them as compared to men. So men are more likely to say that they're like to talk about themselves that way or to talk about their, like if they do a study, they're going to say like the study was like a success and it was huge. Uh, so whatever. women may be like over or under, like they under, downplay their findings. Downplay their accomplishments. Exactly. Which is like what women across the board sort of, we've been socialized to do. So it's not that do. surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, so they said researchers think that one mechanism that may contribute to the, the gender gap is the difference in the extent to which women promote their research accomplishments, accomplishments relative to men. So right down to like promoting like, oh, I did this cool thing and posting it on social media. Like men are more likely to do that than women are. And men will in like cite their their own papers more than women will. Um, so, I mean, you and I, I are know, pretty it is good funny. About- like, like I've been, I have uh, some friends that just got like a big Netflix sketch show and like they're posting about it like nonstop. And I wonder if they ever, and like, and I'm glad because I want to know what my friends are doing. And uh, being on the other side of it, I love when my friends brag about their work accomplishments because I want to know what cool things they're doing. Yeah. Like I have a friend, my friend Julie, she has a newsletter and it's like all about like, this is what play I went to. This is where I ate. And oh, I, that's Julie Vadnell, our former guest, right? Exactly. And so we had lunch the other day and I was like talking about how much I love her newsletter. It's so fun and so simple to read. And I was like, can I give you one feedback? And she's like, what? And I was like, you're kind of like killing it at work and doing really cool shit. And like, I just wish one of your columns, because it's like, this is what I bought this week. This is what I ate this week. This is what I watched. I'm like, one of your columns should be like, on the work side, this is what I did. And I get it because I hate those newsletters that are just like, come to my sketch show. And like, this is like, you know, those Mm -hmm. self-promoting newsletters. Her newsletter is just fun. It's almost like Instagram stories distilled. Um, but I was like, she's like, I don't want to feel like self-promoting. And I was like, don't, I want to know what cool things you're doing. I'm, I'm going to miss what articles you write or what magazines you're editing. And so like, I want you to like self-promote your shit and, but she's self-conscious about it. Whereas like my guy friends that are doing cool things, I see it like all over social media of like, check out my short film, check out this, check out my new series. And I don't know. I just feel like the women always have to make like a self-deprecating caption yeah and and now that my book's coming out i'm gonna be doing a lot of like self-promotion for cinderella and the glass ceiling and other feminist failure fairy tales out march 10th uh-huh. um and <laughs> while well, i'll plug it on my podcast when it comes to my social every time i'm like about to post something about it i get like a lot of anxiety like are people gonna be annoyed or yeah. am i being too self-promoting i just want to should i just post a cute picture of rilo instead well the professors who did this study they say that Women since childhood um, are socialized to uh, value modesty and take up not as much space as men. So this is that's society getting in your head, telling yeah. you to be modest. But, but do you but- feel like people talk about women that way too? They'll be like, oh, she's so braggy or all she's doing is like promoting her shit. Whereas for men, they maybe wouldn't say that. They would never say like, oh, he's so braggy. Yeah, I think like, I mean... Everyone's es- been conditioned that way. Especially if you look at like... Um, I mean, even like politics, like the way we judge female politicians versus male politicians, like they're people running with like almost identical platforms, but we hold women to very different standards. I also do like underselling and over-delivering for myself. So what do they say? Like under-promising, but like over-delivering. So yeah, I'll probably get that to you by... You know, if I maybe this isn't a good example, but for deadlines, if I'm like, oh, I can get that to you by like March second, I want to like turn it in a week early. Yes. You know? So I would, I, way, I don't want to be like my. St- so if I had a study, I would. I don't know if I would say like my study is like robust and like game changing for the whole world. And then what if someone reads it and they're like, mm, maybe right, right. And in that way, maybe women are a little more calculating and smart about things. But yeah, yeah I think there's like a healthy in between where you should. You like be be conscious of the language that you're using, you know. Totally, and don't feel 
and be positive. Yeah. Don't feel bad about talking up your accomplishments. Yeah. Um, what are you reading about? So I was reading the New York times. This is an article by my friend. She's actually my former intern, but I feel weird even saying that because (laughs) she's killing it. And I mean, I shouldn't feel weird. I've said since the beginning, I was like for every intern, I'm like one day you're going to be hiring me. And it's so true because they, they kill it. Here she is writing for the New York times. Yep. She's writing for the New York times. Her name is Hillary Scheinbaum. She's also just a really nice person. And now we are friends. We're not just interns. So she wrote about tips for meeting the parents, which is always just great because, you know, at some point, whether it's the beginning of a relationship or you're a little deeper in, you might have to meet the parents. So here is how. Number one, send or bring a gift. The general rule of thumb is never to arrive empty-handed, says Micah Meyer, a founder of the Plaza Hotel Finishing Program in New York. And if there's one person you're going to want to listen to, (laughs) someone that works at the Plaza Hotel who provides etiquette courses. I didn't even know that they had a finishing program. I kind of want to go. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, It's not only to show a gesture of that first meeting, but it's also showing gratitude for the invitation. So she says you can send a flower arrangement ahead of time, which I think is maybe like a little too much. I like to just keep it more natural. Um, but she says, or if you prefer having a gift in hand, baked goods, holiday themed candles or toys for the family pet are appropriate. Yeah. She warns against gifting alcohol because if you don't know people well, you don't know like are they, um, you know, they are they it? are they non drinkers? Yeah. Like, well, what's this? What's the situation? I when I first met Nick's parents, I. Well, we first, I didn't do this when they came to New York and we just went to a restaurant. But when I went the first time to their house, I brought a beautiful platter that was part of the gift. And then I made cookies and then they got to keep the platter. Yeah, that's great. My mom always says, don't go anywhere with your hands in your pockets. You know, I like that too. <laughs> and and never cross your, cross your hand, cross, you know, body language is important, which this actually might be one of them. But, um, <laughs> but you know, don't know, you know, if you're nervous, some people might fold their hands, you know, like crisscross mm-hmm. applesauce with your legs, but on your hands. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and don't do that. Uh, number two, dress appropriately. You want to be yourself, but, you know, just just dress dress appropriately. Know, know the occasion. Yeah. Don't want to be, you know, come in like a ball gown, but, but also you might not want to be in like ripped jeans and a t-shirt if it's like a nicer dinner situation. Exactly. Number three, address them appropriately. Keep things formal for starters. It's always safer to be formal. So I would always recommend having a title in front of their names to show respect. So even if you're in your late 20s or 30s, it's probably best to say Mrs. Rothman or Mr. Rothman. In your 30s, that does feel weird. I will say the older you get. But then you let them be the ones to say like, call me Karen or call me Jeff. You know, most likely, I think, I feel like most parents that I've interacted with wanted to be called by their first name, but yeah, you never know. You never know. I still think it's just like a little presumptuous because some people are old fashioned. It's, I think it just shows respect to first say like Mrs. Rothman or say, what would you like me to call you? Maybe. Yeah, you can ask, but I would just on the, if you're not sure, I think it's just safer and shows like that you respect them, uh, as, as like the parents, you know, yeah. it may, you may feel like you're being like a eight year old child going over to your friend's parents' house, but just always say the Mr. And Mrs. And, and most likely they'll say, call me Karen or Jeff, yeah. but then they might not. And then you'll be really glad that you approached them I would way. say only in the last year have I gotten comfortable calling Ian's parents by their names because the first exactly. like four years of our relationship, I just avoided calling them anything. Yeah. <laughs> same. Same. Well, <laughs> it was just like, Hi. Well, it's funny because I I still feel weird saying Nick's parents' first names because in their family, a lot of people just say like mom and dad. But like that feels so weird to me because like mom and dad are such sacred names to me. It's like my mom, my dad. So calling anybody else's, even though it's like a, even though it's in a lot of like Midwest, um, like mid culturally, like in the Midwest, that's what a lot of people do when you're married. You call your husband or wife's parents, like mom and dad. Yeah. That just like never feels right to me because I, it just feels sacred to have my mom and, and my dad. So I never felt comfortable doing that or it just kind of made me sad because I'm like, no, I have my mom and dad, you know? Right. And, and like, if you didn't grow up with I, a family that did that, it feels totally unnatural. It feels totally unnatural. And, but for some reason it doesn't feel unnatural for me to call his aunt's aunt you know right or his grandma grandma but for whatever reason mom and dad is just sacred and i 
so I called them by their first name and that still feels weird and I hope they don't think that it's any any uh, offense that right. I don't feel close to them because I love them and I'm so close to them. But well, there you go. When in doubt, just avoid calling them anything exactly. and, and hope you don't have to get their attention at any point when their back is turned. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. Um, stay upbeat. You want to avoid discussing politics, religion, and controversial s- subjects. Instead, talk about where you're from, shared interests, hobbies, and sports, and ask them questions too. Uh, also avoid being critical. No complaining about how hard your job is or your bout with the flu. I mean, you want to be yourself, but nobody wants to be around like a Debbie Downer or cynical yeah. person. So just like keep the conversation positive. Yeah. And as you get to know each other and you become more comfortable with one another, you'll probably talk about those things. But yeah, you're setting like you want to make a good impression for the sure. first few times. Uh, two more here that I that I like a lot. Lend a helping hand. So always ask, do you want me to help with the dishwasher, can I help cut those potatoes, whatever. You know, you'll come across lazy if you're just being presumptuous and like watching the host and hostess run around and looking like you're like there to be served, even though you are a guest. And kind of like the formal name thing, there's a good chance they'll say, no, you're our guest. Don't be crazy. Like, what can we get you? But you're just gonna, you're just gonna look polite and like a nice helpful person that that isn't entitled if yeah. you ask to help. Yeah, you don't want to sit there like serve me. Yeah, fuck that. Um <laughs> and then lastly, don't get tipsy. Try to limit your alcohol consumption to one or two glasses of wine tops to keep your composure. Don't use alcohol as a social crutch. So you might be nervous, but just I would just say be sober. It honestly took me like 7 Christmases with Nick's family before I could even have like one glass of wine with them. Like the first few years I went, this was before his cousins had kids and they would play beer pong down in. Oh God. I was so, I was just always so nervous about going to visit his family who are the nicest people because I just really wanted them to like me that I did not want to drink. But I also, so they probably thought I was so lame because I like wouldn't play beer pong. (laughs) And then when I finally said I'd play beer pong, I like wouldn't drink the beer. I'd make Nick drink it. But you know what? Even if they thought I was like so lame and wouldn't play the beer pong, wouldn't drink the beer, even if like, you know, his grandma and his aunts were doing it. Really? Was his grandma playing beer pong? Yes, she even played. I, I still, I still think it was the right choice that I didn't get drunk or tipsy in front of his family in those very, especially in those like important, like formative years. And, and now I've been together 10 years with him and I still won't have more than one drink because that's just, I mean, I don't really like to drink anyways anymore, but, but it's just not a good look. It's just not a good look. Yeah. All right. It's time to jump into our mailbox, but first let's take a quick sponsor break. We would like to thank our sponsor, Third Love. Third Love does bras differently. They believe that every woman deserves to feel comfortable and confident every day with the right kind of support. They help her do this. I love Third Love because I really do struggle with figuring out what size I am. I've even gone into a store and gotten sized for my bra, but then I realize every brand is different and and it can be, just be complicated. So what Third Love does is on the quiz, it asked me what brand – they didn't just say what size are you and how does your bra fit. They said what size are you and like what brand do you typically wear so like we can we can then figure this out. It was just so helpful. I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, it fits around the side but not – like the cups are loose. So anyways, they, they said I was like a 36 and a half. Which is not what you were wearing before. No. And I like half size. It was like a whole thing. I was yeah, like, I think that that's the – do half sizes which is which is great yeah um i have big news i got the underwear that i think i'm gonna wear on my wedding day from third love (gasps) oh my god i got like these high-waisted satiny underwear that are just super comfortable but also make me feel sort of tucked in because they're high-waisted and i love that they're like satin and sheer and they just feel nice and oh my god yeah my my (laughs) wedding undies are from third love beautiful i know it's a big deal it's a very big deal i trust them with my life um and my butt um, so for you to find out what your bra size is, maybe you've been wearing the wrong bra this whole time, go to do their fit finder quiz, answer a few simple questions to find your perfect fit in just 60 seconds. Over 15 million women have taken the quiz to date. That's a lot of ladies and it's actually fun and it takes less than a minute to complete. 
They have their perfect fit promise. So every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, and put it to the test. If you don't love it, you return it, and Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. I love that so much. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now, they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash single now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. We would like to thank our sponsor, BioClarity. BioClarity is a clean and green skincare brand that has products that just work. Their routines were made to keep your skin looking young, healthy, and fresh using only natural and gentle ingredients. We both love BioClarity. We do. I have very sensitive skin, so I'm always hesitant to jump into a new product. But uh, it's it's so gentle, BioClarity, that I, it's like I was just able to start using it, and I've been fine. I use it on my face. I, I use their body wash, and it's just lovely. The thing I love is that their products are 100% vegan, cruelty-free, non-toxic, paraben-free, sulfate-free, and artificial fragrance-free. Basically, all of the bad stuff is not in it. And, you know, I've become a clean beauty junkie lately. So, yeah, it's important to me. Yeah. Checks all your boxes. Um, They have two routines to fit your skincare needs. They have the clear skin routine, which is for oily or breakout prone skin. And then there's the essentials routine, which is for normal skin and everyday use. Both routines consist of an easy to use three-step regimen that helps improve the look and feel of your skin and is packed full of detoxifying nutrients. The routines are also, um, they also include a super special ingredient found only in BioClarity, which is Floralux. Um, that is made from the chlorophyll from plants. Very cool. Get healthier, more radiant skin by going to bioclarity.com. We love bioclarity because it's clean and green and all good stuff. And even better is that these products are actually affordable. Right now, our listeners can save 15% off everything on their website. That's an incredible deal. But you need to enter our code SINGLE at checkout. So go to bioclarity.com and get 15% off everything on their website when you use code SINGLE at checkout. All right, Angela, what do we have in the mailbox this week? Okay, we have two questions that relate to when the spark is gone. Um, first up is from our listener A. And A writes, first off, I love your show and look forward to listening to it while at work. Don't tell my boss. Uh-huh, we won't. Um, she says, a little backstory. I've been dating this guy for a year and three months. He is my best friend and I look forward to seeing him every night. We're both in college and I will be graduating in a week, whereas he has two more years. I have a part-time job and work most of the day while he has classes, which means we only see each other during the evening time and on weekends. A couple nights ago, he told me that he no longer feels a spark within the relationship and it's not me, it's him. He says he doesn't know what he wants in life and seems generally confused. Over the next days, things don't seem cold or weird and I'm confused if he still feels that way or if he's just trying to make things better. We have already signed a lease for an apartment for next year. Oh no. Yeah. I'm concerned he's only staying with me because of this reason. I am confused on if I should keep trying to make things better. He seems to also be trying or if I should just stop trying and let him go. Can we get the spark back or is it a dead end? So I appreciate that he is admitting that it's not, it's not her, it's him. Mm -hmm. And he did say that he doesn't know what he wants out of life and he seems generally confused. And this sounds like the boyfriend that I dated right before Nick, where he had just finished graduate school and was super lost and like living in an apartment that his parents paid for and like didn't know what job he wanted and was like, maybe I'm going to be an author and write this like book about this tennis player. And maybe I'm going to like go work for my dad. Why am I going to do this? And was just really lost. And because of that ended up being a little detached from the relationship and a whole host of other issues. But I think when you are feeling lost and like you know, one thing to say, people are going to go through this feeling of being confused and lost and not knowing what they want out of life, perhaps like at all different periods throughout their life. So you might be in a relationship with somebody for five years and they might like go through this. But right. But graduating college is definitely a huge like transitional time when your life is going to, especially if he's still in college after you graduate, your lives are going going to be very different. Yes, absolutely. Um, But how long have they been together? They've been together for a year and three months. Oh, that's such a tricky time because, yeah, this 
in in I could I could see it both ways. I could see that this is just a little spell, and he's feeling insecure and not knowing what he's going to do out of li- his life, and that's making him. I almost think it's like an animal instinct to just like focus on you and he's just lost a little interest in putting the energy in the relationship and his his mind is just telling him like take a break from the relationship or like he's checking out because he needs to check in with himself and in some ways I could see that this is going to pass and that and that it's just a wave that she could ride but then on the other hand like how would that feel to date someone who said you know I'm not that into you anymore um I really don't like that he framed it as he doesn't feel a spark with her anymore what I how I think he should have framed it is, hey, you might have noticed that I'm a little disconnected right now and I'm really sorry. I'm just kind of feeling down about myself and maybe not have made it about her. And I think that's what he meant, but he pretty much told her that he's like not into her anymore. And I wonder if he is feeling obligated and And, she should just get out of the lease. And that is a huge bomb to drop to then act like nothing happened and never acknowledge the fact that you are going to be living together in however long a year. Like you can't say I'm not really feeling this relationship and then not talk about what's going to happen moving forward. So to me, I think maybe it's salvageable, maybe it's not, but I... 100% think you should not move in together if you're already having problems. I don't think moving in together is going to make it better. And in fact, it might just kind of trap you guys in a relationship that isn't working for longer than you should be in it. I think that that is actually a great compromise. So her question essentially is, and this is the last sentence, is can we get the spark back or is it a dead end? And I wish I could have a magic ball and see the future, but this is the kind of thing that I've seen a ton with friends and it can totally go either way. When someone's feeling insecure about themselves, not knowing where their life's going to go, they might check out of a relationship, but then they might get it right back. On the other hand, that spark might not ever come back. So if you really love this guy and you know, you've know you been invested for a year and you, you want to ride it out for a little bit and see if that spark does come back, I think you should do it, but I don't think that you should move in. I agree with Angela that I would maybe say like, hey, you're going through some tough stuff. I think we need to get out of our lease. We're maybe going to lose a little money, but it's going to be a lot less money if you break up and have to like separate your lives and like right, and move and, all your shit and move all your shit again. So yeah. And you don't want this, the least thing like hanging over your head and no. influencing either of your decisions with your relationship. Find a different living situation and tell him like, Hey, I don't want to move in with you, but let's, um, you know, if you want to stay together and like, see if we can get the spark back. Like I'm willing to fight for us if you are and then see what he says. And if he says like, no, then, you know, the real reason is he just wanted to split the rent. Yeah. (laughs) All right. What else we got? Okay. Next up, this is from an anonymous listener and she writes, ladies, longtime listener since your inception, owner of your book and best friend to both of you in my mind. We are your best friend. This is why we do the podcast so we can have thousands of best friends. It's true. Um, She says, love you, love your work and love how you've grown together. We have grown together as friends. Angela and I's relationship is like any of the romantic relationships that we talk about because we've had our ups and downs and we've always come out stronger. It's true. And there's Uh, been different iterations of our friendship. We've had many phases. Mm-hmm. We maybe we've lost the spark at some point. And we got it back. There's hope. I feel like we have. There's been times yeah. where like we've just like rubbed each other wrong. Yeah, which is totally normal. And we took a, a step away. We took a step away. We've been together seven years. It's been like a seven year deep partnership and relationship. And there's definitely times where I know I've been like maybe a bitch or Angel's rubbed me the wrong way. And like we've maybe like backed off each other a little bit and like missed out on some like life things with each other. But then we like. I don't know, reconnected, found the spark. And like, I feel closer to her than I ever have. So it can happen. Let us be your beacon of light in this episode. (laughs) Um, Okay, so with our anonymous listener, she says, brief synopsis of my life is that I'm 30 years old. I had my heart brutally and unexpectedly crushed by the love of my life at the very end of 2017. Whilst I no longer cry about my ex and have since moved on to someone wonderful, it's been two months with my new guy, I can't shake the feeling that I'm not as excited about my current guy as I was about my last one. My new boyfriend is absolutely incredible. He's wickedly funny, successful, drops into my apartment in the morning to bring coffee, brought me a care package when I was sick, and recently surprised me with a meet and greet with a seal at uh, at a sanctuary, my favorite animal. Oh my God, I love him already, especially since he went to a sanctuary, not a zoo, because right. fuck zoos and fuck aquariums. My little sister, who's an animal activist, has taught me all about how if I want to take Rilo 
to see animals. I got to go to a sanctuary. Little side detour there, but all to say that I already like him that he took him to a sanctuary. Yes. Uh, she says, I like him. I like being around him. We have a gr- great sexual chemistry and I miss him when we're not together, but it isn't the same spark slash excitement slash obsession that I had with my last partner. Is this just a more mature way of approaching a relationship or should I have the stomach flips and butterflies? I don't want to throw away someone so wonderful, but I'm concerned that I'm not completely besotted and I am worried that I'm robbing him and me of the real thing. Help. Okay. I love this question so much. So there's like that butterfly obsession feeling that she's talking about that I really feel like happens at the beginning of relationships or like maybe when you're really young because it's like the first time you've ever felt something with somebody. And then like the more and more you fall in love, it is kind of like a mature thing. And you're like, okay, I've like felt that feeling of love. So you're not like your body isn't as shocked by it, I think. And I'm sure there's some kind of like scientific explanation for it, but it's almost like a hit of a drug and like, okay, if you've like had like that drug once like the most the times you know you do it again it's maybe gonna feel like a little bit less but doesn't mean it's not the same drug and just as special mm-hmm. anyways long i don't <laughs> no all I'm, of fo- that, I'm following the analogy okay thank you <laughs> all of that to say this new boyfriend you say he's absolutely incredible and in everything you list i'm obsessed with him and i'm obsessed with you guys together i think that you are comparing him to the last boyfriend because it wasn't your choice to break up and he broke your heart and it clearly wasn't the right relationship and it was like an excitement obsession spark, but it clearly wasn't a hundred percent mutual. So I think that this love is greater than the other one because, you know, this guy loves you the way that you deserve and he cares about you the way that you deserve. Do you have, that being said, do you have to like everybody that's good on paper? No. If you realize, okay, this guy's just good on paper, he's doing all the right things, but like I just don't feel it, then then you're gonna have to walk away. And I've dated plenty of people that are great on paper, that treat me great, that like make reservations at restaurants and like brought books because they thought it was gonna be thoughtful. But but you but this doesn't feel like the case. You say I like him, I like being around him, we have great sexual chemistry, I miss him when we're not together. I think you do love him. It's just not that throbbing in your heart feeling because I think maybe the guy, I could be guessing, but the guy you were dating last time, he was always a little bit detached maybe. And like you always a little nervous, which is why you were so obsessed because you maybe realized that you liked him more than he liked you. And he was always maybe a little bit pulling away, which made you that much more like obsessed with him. And in the end, he broke your heart because he never was into it as much as you are. And maybe that wasn't as healthy as this current one. That's my take. What do you think? I do. Yeah. I think that that, that like obsessive feeling that you have at the very beginning when you really like somebody, it's not sustainable. It's not something that you're going to feel as a relationship goes on the whole time. Like it's insane if you do, like nobody can maintain that. So it makes sense that that would fade. But she, what if she never felt it with this new guy? So I don't know. Like you were saying, I would say the people that I have felt the most like obsessed, that like obsessive high, like almost drug feeling about are always people that are distant and weren't right for me. And it was like that like pull of like trying to get their attention was what created that feeling. Whereas when I met Ian, it was like a different, it was definitely a different feeling. It was a calmer feeling. It was a more stable feeling. But uh, so yeah, it wasn't like that like butterfly high but it was like like more of like a warm fuzzy like this is right feeling i'm gonna do another analogy or metaphor for you so they say like coffee is like a spike high but Uh matcha which i'm into is like a more stable longer lasting like like it's like more of a of like a slopey hill whereas like on a graph coffee would be like uh a mountain Yes. So Ian was my matcha. But the, the thing is, <laughs> I've also... You always follow my metaphors. This is why we're best friends. And, but like I've also, to be clear, I've also dated people that I didn't feel that spark at all about. And I also didn't feel that warm matcha feeling about. And it was just kind of like, you're nice. You're doing all these things, but I don't feel the chemistry. So there's definitely a difference between like that sustained, like mature, like I love you feeling and like this is just not working. So I, I think, think she has the Ian matcha feeling because she's just wanting to know, like, should I be having stomach flips and butterflies and like totally obsessed? Yeah. I don't and think you need those things, but like, are you, you like do. fantasizing about being with other people? Not your ex. He doesn't count. Right. He broke up with you. So of course you're fantasizing about getting him back because nobody wants to be, uh, dumped. 
But, but like, yeah, if you're like, I feel like if you feel yourself comparing him to other people a lot, or if you feel like you're not yourself with him, like those could be signs. Right. And don't get know, me wrong. Or if you don't want to spend time with him, if you're like, I'd rather spend time with someone else than this person. Yeah. If they're boring, if they're boring yeah. you, but you're going to think other people are hot, even when you're with someone. Sure. Like I'll be walking down the street or I'll be in a yoga class and be like, and I'll just admire someone. I'll be like, that dude's hot. And I hope Nick never admits that he thinks that because I, w- I would kill a bitch, but right. But, um, but you're allowed to be like, have like little short attractions to other people. That's not what Angela means. She but just I think means like, are you bored by this person? Do yeah. you not want to hang out with them? I've been attracted to people and whatever. Like I've even flirted with people. We all do it. But at the end of the day, as long as the answer to the question is like, would I rather be with the person that I'm with than that person? then like you're with the right person, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We hope that long rambling answer was helpful. <laughs> but we we think, we think this new guy sounds great. That's all. Yeah. If you want your listener questions answered or if you have any messages you want to share, email us at contact at thisiswhyoursingleshow.com. Please be concise, a paragraph or less. You can also find all of our contact info on our website at thisiswhyoursingleshow.com. Now let's dive into our reason of the week. This week's reason is when the spark is gone. So obviously we covered a lot of territory in our listener questions section, but just to touch on a bit more, like we said, there there are different levels to this issue. So when you're in a long-term relationship like Laura and I are, um, and you have your relationship sort of evolve, like the way you feel one year in is different than the way you're going to feel five years in and whatever. Like it's, it's not um, a dulling, it's just an evolution. So there's that versus like an actual falling out of love. So you need to kind of know the difference. It is a big difference. Although I think if you're in the latter category, it's sometimes hard to tell. Like if you've fallen out of love, you're. it's like, I think sometimes it's hard to be like, like, do I like, like our last listener question, like, do I like this person? Like, do I still care about this person or am I just comfortable? And Right. And you're going to go through waves. So you can't expect your feelings to always stay the same. There's going to be periods of your life where you're more into your partner than others. And you've, if you are meant to be like, you will want to ride that out and you'll realize that you'll become closer during certain periods of your life and then maybe feel a little distant and you just got to keep working at it and connecting with each other and and doing your best to grow together if that's what you want. Yeah. And some like so how to tell the difference between if your relationship is evolving versus if you're falling out of love with somebody. Um I have some of my own tips, but also I, on Cosmo, I, I was reading an article about this and they had a quote that said, the opposite of love is not hate. It is indifference. Oh, I love that. So like it doesn't, that's why I think it's hard to tell sometimes because you're like, I still like this person. I don't hate them. But reminds it, me of my hairdresser that broke up with her boyfriend that she didn't hate. She just was like, I feel neutral about you. You're my right. friend. I care about you. I want the best with, you know, for you, but right. kind of indifference. You might even still have a good time with them, but you're just like emotionally kind of like meh. So that's, I think that's a really good indicator. Um, Some other stuff, like you got to ask yourself what the reason is that you're staying with this person. If it's out of convenience. Logistics. Uh, Yeah, logistics. If because you like don't feel like starting over and dating again versus like if you actually care about them and want to be with them, you got to like be honest with yourself. Um, uh, Also, if you find yourself wanting to do more things without them or wanting to go places where maybe you'll have the opportunity to like flirt and meet people in sort of a innocent way, but not so innocent because you're like craving that. But if you want to do things with friends and on your own, like I'm going on like multiple trips by myself coming up. Yeah. And I've never been more obsessed with Nick. And I think, well, that's also if you're looking to get, so if you decide that you are still in love with the person and your spark has just kind of dulled, ironically, I do think one of the bits of advice I, I would give you is to like not constantly be with each other yep. 24-7. So that, so that you, there's a little mystery and that when you are together, there's more excitement and you have things to talk about if you're doing interesting things on your own. Exactly. On that note, it is time for our Reason of the Week Breakdown. Since the time it was first created, Cosmo has been publishing tips for getting the spark back in your relationship. We are going to see if Laura can tell the real Cosmo tips from the fake in a game we call Cosmo or Hell No. Love it. You're always so good at the titles. Yes, let's do it. (laughs) Okay. So here's the tip. 
buy a smaller size mattress so you have to sleep closer to one another. Oh my God. If that, I'm just going to say no because if that is their actual advice, it's the worst advice. Nope. No, oh my you're God. Correct. Wait, I'm you're right. I'm right. Oh. That was a hell no. Hell oh. no. Okay, good. Because that would be the worst advice. Get the biggest mattress you possibly can. Any, <laughs> it might actually save your relationship. Anything smaller than a king. Get the California king. Do they have bigger than that? Get it. <laughs> um, okay. Go to bed at the same time and maintain some physical contact in bed. Um, that sounds like good advice. Um, so I'm going to say yes. That's All right, correct. Two for two. That is from Cosmo. Going to bed at the same time. Um, gradually ramp up the physical intimacy of your dates as if you've just met from holding hands to kissing, petting, and sex only when you feel totally ready. Sounds like a classic Cosmo. That is Cosmo. No laptops or cell phones after dinner. No laptops or cell phones after dinner. Um, that sounds like normal Cosmo advice, but not practical, but I'm going to go with Cosmo. You're right. Um, sleep with something that belongs to your partner under your pillow, like a shirt they wore all day that has their smell on it. This is horrible advice. <laughs> so I'm going to say not Cosmo. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe I'm not good at recreating Cosmo. <laughs> I should write my own column because I no, took I a like, really creative stance here. No, I like it. You're just coming up with creepy ass advice. <laughs> All my advice is very creepy. You're like small mattress, yeah. sleep with their shirt. Be obsessed with them. Okay. Uh, text each other from separate rooms of the house to recreate the beginning of your relationship when you didn't live together. This sounds like Cosmo advice, but whenever I do this with Nick, he thinks I'm the laziest person <laughs> ever. And he goes, why would you text me? I'm literally in the apartment. So I'm going to say not Cosmo just because it's such a stupid thing to do. You are correct, but I wish it was because I do that too. And my apartment is smaller than yours. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So that was not Cosmo. That was Angela advice. Yes. Uh, and finally, stimulate their erogenous zones like hair and ears classic cosmo it's like massage the ears and like it's like it's like their dick is yep. that cosmo yes <laughs> <laughs> yep oh i know my cosmo the ear is the quickest way to the dick yep pretty much the <laughs> classic cosmo well i've got what was that 10 for 10 yeah whatever 100 yeah. I, I sure know my cosmo okay nice. we hope we have that thanks for creating that was a lot of fun <laughs> yes we hope Thanks we have playing. cleared up this week's reason because that is it for this week's This Is Why You're Single podcast. Check out our book. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our audiobook on Audible. You can also get hooked up with discounts from all of our sponsors. For a full list of sponsors and the codes, check out our podcast page on thisiswhyyoursingleshow.com. We are also on social, so you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Your Single Show. You can follow our personals. I am at Sparadactyl on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Laura Lane Rad on Instagram and Laura Lane on Twitter. Please like and subscribe on iTunes. And thank you for listening. Tune in next week for a whole new show. Bye. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. This is why you're single. Ba, 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 ba. This is why you're single. Ba, 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 ba. That was a HeadGum Podcast.